back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hootink, with my co-host, Christian Conway. Our summer vacation is done. It's the first day of school, and yet I'm feeling like a million dollars. Well, that's great to hear. I uh, definitely had a great first day back. Unfortunately, I have more LAFC students than not in my class, but um, hopefully be able to convert them by the end of the year. Um, you know, I didn't go too hard. <laughs> Uh, on pushing the galaxy only because they are like 11 to 12 years old. So it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It will be done by the end of the year. Exactly. And you know, I, I I had the urge to be like, well, when was the last time you, you know, you know anything about LAFC winning anything and, uh, when they last played, but I didn't, I didn't pull that on the first day of school. So, um, I didn't even name drop the podcast for obvious reasons. Um, although rude, it would be cool that's a rude to have thing some... to say about the dinner plate they won that one time. <laughs> yeah, and the rings that they had casted. Speaking of, um, so Tyler Miller was the one who dropped those deeds, and uh, LA Galaxy, I'm glad, beat him once again. Um, you know, so as we come to you now on the 14th episode of season three, um, it is really. First, the U.S. women's national team, you know, they didn't get the gold as we'd hoped. Um, you know, they got the bronze, which, you know, it's time for a new era of players. Um, you know, the goal scorers in the bronze game would be Carly Lloyd and Rapino, right? Um, and then, unfortunately, we lost Nair to an injury. And uh, shout out to your girl, Rose Lavelle. Yeah. What a, what a weird Olympic campaign, right? Like, I think if you... If you I, I, and I understand that and I, I texted this to Jamie the, the the day of the game. It was I was on the East Coast, so my time zones were all sorts of all sorts of gone. So it was a four o'clock wake up call, and then went back to bed at seven and woke up at like one, um, a little bit in better spirits. And I went re back to bed. But you know, I, I think the the overreaction that occurred after this game, uh, the, the loss to Canada, was quite something else. And I think you know. I think that that, that comes from a, a, a couple of different places. I think the first off, as I texted Jamie, I said, "Look, you know, when you're, you know, the, these players are heroes, right? They are social justice heroes. They are incredible athletic heroes. They are their cultural import cannot be overstated. When your heroes fail, you need to hold someone accountable, right? Like it's that natural sense of someone has to be blamed. It cannot be them. It has to be an outside force. Vladko Andonovsky was that outside force." I think a lot of the calls for people that said Vlatko should be fired off of this game have a very short-term memory when it comes to what happened in 2016 with Jalalis and what happened in, uh, against Sweden in, in Rio. I think also we're talking about a generation of fans that grew up with the U.S. Women's National Team being this untouchable monolith in society, right? That, you know, you talk about a group of fans that grew up with you know, obviously they lose in the final 2011 and then the, the, the 2012 Olympics, which was such a dramatic and intense affair. The, the, the 2015 World Cup and then, of course, the ease with which they won the 2019 World Cup. I, I think a generation of fans just isn't used to the U.S. Women's National Team losing. Like, this doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it happens. It's, soccer is a sport. It is played. You know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, with the, the famous adage, it's, you know, 23 players one ball, two goalkeepers, and at the end of the day, Germany always wins, um, as, as England always laughingly jokes. But it, it is a game that's played in reality. Um, and I think a lot of these fans are, are younger fans that just aren't used to seeing these players lose. Now, I will say, I think the the this tournament was a catch-22 for the U.S. Women's National Team from every 
from from minute one to to the bronze medal match, right? You're talking about a team that, and and of course, Carly Lloyd announcing her retirement today. Megan Rapinoe, I'm assuming, will you know not be there in 2023. You know, a lot of veteran players that you know were on the cusp of the end of their careers. So Vlatko and U.S. Soccer are put under this weird pressure spectrum to run it back one more time. We just need one more, you know, like we just need one more good moment with this group. And the reality is, you know, the, the biggest question I think I had going to this tournament, well, well what happens if Carly Lloyd and Megan Rapinoe and, and Alex Morgan and Tobin Heath all start looking their age a little bit? You know, like what if, what if Megan Rapinoe doesn't look like a 23-year-old Megan Rapinoe? What if she actually looks like a 35-year-old Megan Rapinoe? What if a Carly Lloyd, you know, looks like a 28-year-old Carly Lloyd? You know, what if she actually looks like she's a 39-year-old Carly Lloyd? And we saw what happened. Vladko was always going to be put in a very odd position to bring those players with him and to give them one more shot. And he did. And, and I think, you know, well-deserved and well within, the, within their rights. However, I think, you know, they, they probably needed to be a little bit younger. I think they needed to be a little bit more savvy. I think, I think Vladko does bear some responsibility here. I think he overthought the, um, this, this tournament. I think him, for example, subbing out all three forwards in the game against Canada in, what was it, the 56th minute? I think that's a that's a quiet admittance that hey I think I might have gotten this game a little wrong, and it was it was the manner in the in the two games they lost, which was the Sweden game as the first game, and then the this game against uh, the, the Canada game. You know, it, the urgency wasn't there, and I think that's something that I I is never been something that I've associated with the U.S. Women's National Team, right? That you know. There's there's always fire and brimstone in every performance they go out and play, right? There's always this intensity, this inherent need to compete, and it just wasn't there in those two games. And you know, Megan Rapinoe said in 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 the uh, uh, on pitch interview after the the Canada game where she said, "Look, you know, we we lost the joy a little bit." And and you know, I don't know, you know, there's there's obviously a ton of factors that go into creating a roster and go into a, a tournament setting and. You know, I, I think, you know, obviously these Olympics held a very weird place in the world. They held a very strange kind of um, kind of kind of presence, uh, you know, obviously being delayed a year. And, and of course, the, the, the backlash from the Japanese public of, of them not wanting the Olympics to happen, the lack of fans, all these all these weird conflating factors. So I, I can understand why it's hard to build that community. But, you know, I, I think it was also the death knell of a generation that, you know, it, it's time for us to let go of this generation. And I think. You know, obviously their performance in the, in the bronze medal match was fantastic. It was what we kind of expected from the rest of the tournament. But I think it, this served as such a clear kind of generational shift moment for the U.S. Women's National Team. And I, I don't think I've, I've seen it that openly, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And, you know, we did, we did say this in, you know, our last episode – and we've talked about this, about the team getting younger, um, you know, and even texting each other our own dissatisfaction of what we were seeing in the midfield and, and who lacked what spark. And, I mean, it's time to move forward now. I mean, I it's kind of disheartening that a bronze is seen as like a loss, as this like really awful loss. And I think that, like you said, with everything going on in Tokyo, with losing your one of your best keepers to an injury. I think that they did the best they could. And like you said, I mean, you know, in no, in the history of the U S women's national team, have they won a world cup and a gold medal back to back. So, you know, hopefully that does change. 
Um, we'll have to see, of course. The thing is, you know how most times you end up with a team, you would say, oh, there's uh, a, a rebuilding period. I think with the U.S. women, once, you know, you get these right pieces in, once they do get younger, I don't see an issue with with the U.S. women being able to continue their successful careers yeah. and, and this legacy. I think, you know, again, as I said, this is this was always going to be a catch-22 tournament for the U.S. Women's National Team program in general, just simply because of the the, the level of import and influence that the veterans on this team have. Um, you know, I, I think you make a, a very good point about, you know, I, I about kind of plugging in the youngsters and this isn't going to be a problem because I think if you look at the building blocks that are already there, I mean, you talk about, you know, Sam Mewis, probably the best midfielder in the world right now, Rose LaBelle, who, you know, I think she could be a little bit better defensively. And I, I think, you know, in a couple of games that was exposed, but I think you can teach her that, you know, you talk about, you know, Crystal Dunn will be there for a bit, you know, Tierna Davidson will be there for a bit. Um, I, you know, Alyssa Nair, you know, thankfully it was not a, a incredibly serious injury. It was still, you know, enough to, to pull her out. Um, and, and Adriana French filled in, you know, quite admirably in a very tough situation, um, especially having to face a penalty in that semifinal match. Um, I, I think I think it's going to be okay. I just think, you know, it's a question of, you know, getting this younger generation those opportunities and those reps. And, and I, you know, obviously they're they're going to have the fall friendlies. You know, they play. I think I think it was the rumor is that they're going to play South Korea, in. Um, uh, in Minneapolis and I believe St. Louis, but it might be Chicago. I, I, I saw a, a rumor tweet about that. You know, those will be Carly Lloyd's last appearances in a U.S. Women's National Team jersey. And I kind of tongue-in-cheek texted a friend, but as I'm kind of thinking about it, I, I might have been less joking than I thought, which I was like, well, all that roster should be for that that set of friendlies is Carly Lloyd and a bunch of 17-year-olds. You know, like, that's what that roster should be. Um, but maybe it should be that, because, you know, as you said, we need to get younger and we need to give it's this very de- delicate and difficult thing about the U.S. Women's National Team is that competition is so intense, but you don't play enough competitive games because, you know, when you schedule friendlies, you know, you're scheduling friendlies against teams that you beat 6-0 or something like that. And, and like, a lot of this younger generation hasn't had those opportunities at, you know, competitive, at, at the first team competitive level. They've obviously had those opportunities at, like, the U-17 World Cup or, you know, whatever youth tournaments there are at the, uh, at, at the, the, the youth women's level, they haven't had a lot of those reps at the highest level. And I think that's my one kind of concern is that I think, you know, you're asking, you're going to ask a lot out of a generation that didn't really get a lot of opportunities because of the longevity of the generation previous. That's my kind of my one little like concern. But I agree with you. I think there's enough framework there. And with Vladko's ability that you can just plug and play at this point. And I think it's going to work out fine. And I still look forward to seeing what what's to come. Oh, yeah, no um, question. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. it's the most talented, you know, women's program in the world. Like, of course you're excited. Yeah, and and, and I love that. With, with the NWSL expanding next year, um, with... Well, with even just the, the development that you're seeing within the U.S. Women's National Team, um, if, if you haven't seen LFG yet on HBO Max, you know, this is your introduction. This is your time. This is your chance. I mean, you know, we, we, we love soccer here on this show, regardless of gender, but um, these women are doing something phenomenal. They've, they've really set a precedent, and, and this, like I said, this legacy is going to continue, um, and I think Vlaco still deserves more chances. I, I feel like it's real easy to just 
you know, switch out the coach, but it's also something that he's taking over too. Um, and Ellis didn't make the best of decisions, you know? So yeah. I, I think that there's, there's plenty of optimism to be had. Um, and I'm proud of a bronze. Yeah. I, I mean, any, any medal is a good medal. Like that's, that's the other thing about it is meddling is hard and tournaments are difficult. You're not going to win everyone. This, this it's okay. Like everyone step back from the ledge a couple steps. Like it's, it's going to be okay. So, speaking of uh, school and schooling, Julian Araujo in that back line, <laughs> he really has been schooling dudes the last couple of games. Um, you know, we haven't, like I said, uh, we've been on vacation, so we haven't really been covering as many matches as we've had. But looking back, after that 4-0 loss, LA Galaxy kicked it into gear and... You know, they're still sitting in third place, and that's because the West is wild. Um, you know, Seattle, for whatever reason, even though facing Tigris, was somehow back against Portland. Um, it was pretty a uh, wild game. I, I watch because I also play ball, balls and beers from Elias Our House. And, you know, on a Sunday evening, what else am I going to have on, right? So, you just got different games going on, and... You know, you're you're hoping that the other teams kind of fall out. You know, Colorado, Sporting Kansas City, and, and of course you want the Galaxy to win every time. Um, but but we're not bad. In fact, we're good. Dare I say? Um, I, I say that because you know Cabral has gotten a lot of criticism lately, even with his two goals, and and I can see it. Um, some of the decisions that he makes when pass, when passing the ball, again, this is what we call a rebuild year. Um, you know, there's new pieces all the time, unfortunately. Um, there's been some tragedy. Uh, Sebastian Legette's sister passed away, and he wasn't able to be in that midfield. And, uh, you know, uh, Jonathan Dos Santos was back in, but he didn't seem like he was quite in shape. You know, some of the decisions he made. Um, and then you have Dejan Jovalic, and he gets an assist in his first game. Um, Efrain Alvarez looks good. Um, and then, surprise, surprise, Klinsman was the starting keeper. And you're thinking, okay, Vaughn can use a day off. Um, but after this last match, I mean, it's hard to say, right? Because when you think about the challenges that, that Bond has come up to no doubts he has kept the the galaxy in yes Klinsman got a shutout on his on his game here but you know the argument does become and I even texted this to to you Christian like you know would Bond have gotten a clean sheet you know that's a fair argument but you know just looking at all of this it's it's great to see what Vanny has done with the rotation with the roster development that it's okay if someone needs a day off you know because bond has played every single minute and it feels good to know that you have a backup keeper yeah and i, I think Klinsman starting a net was a bit of greg vanny uh nodding to his toronto and canada heritage in terms of, of, of pulling the soccer rotation where if you know you need to rest a goal you at least have someone behind him i think what's fascinating about this, this three-game stretch that you know we'll, we're kind of overlooking is the, the Galaxy kept a clean sheet in two out of the past three games. Like, I think that's a big deal, you know, for a team that, especially in the beginning of the season, really struggled defensively. And, and you know, as I was, I was driving to get ready for, the, for this recording, you know, I kind of was, was thinking to myself, I was like, think about all the moving parts that Greg Vanny's had to 
pull together. I mean, he's not had his preferred starting center back pairing, which I think is going to be cool of Ollie and Williams. At least that's what I kind of get the sense of. Because, you know, obviously Williams had uh, the unfortunate in Portland at the beginning of the season. Sega's been dealing with his injury issues. You know, they, they had some difficulty in terms of the defensive midfield position because, you know, Jonathan Dos Santos has been out and, and, and you know, you're asking Ryan to, to carry a lot of the load and, and, and Saldana has, you know, been, had his ups and downs. You, know, you talk about the fact that Chicharito has been out for pretty much the entire season at this point. Um, you know, he, he, this was already a very difficult thing to deal with even, you know, as the season began, I think you and I talked a lot about, well, how is Vanny going to pull all these moving parts together? You know, like how these are so many new things that he's going to have to get to work together. Right. And then all of a sudden, oh, you have to do it. And also, you know, your golden boot scores out injured for, you know, nine weeks. You know, you're the captain of your club. You know, the guy that theoretically should be the link between the defense and the, and the attack is out for eight weeks. You know, like your starter big center back pairing, both of them are dealing with injuries and other stuff like to to be at the point where we are considering like had had no injuries had none of this movement happen to be at the point where we are right now is incredibly impressive in a first year where i believe uh the broadcast mentioned uh the galaxy brought in 17 new pieces this season that's an insane amount of movement and then have to deal with the movement of that in the reality of a normal season this is a quite impressive feat the galaxy are pulling off here right like i mean this this is difficult, you know, but you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I didn't watch the game against Vancouver, uh, unfortunately, family stuff, and, and I only saw the score, and I, I understand that was a frustrating, um, a frustrating draw, but, you know, Vancouver is currently leading the league on the longest undefeated streak alongside San Jose. Now, that ha- have, have those undefeated streaks been impressive? Eh, I think that's a bit of a, a, an open question, but, you know, that's, that's still, you're getting results. Um, you know, so I think, you know, you look at the way that they, the 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 goal the goal against Real Salt Lake and the goal against um, Minnesota. I want to highlight because the way that the Galaxy are moving the ball is incredibly impressive, and it, and it's you know it's it's patient, it's confident buildup, but it's it's not you know plotting. It's it, there is an intent about their movement, and I think what's another great kind of stat about this is that all the people that touched the ball in the goal against. Minnesota were under 25. And that, that indicates to me that you're building a framework that's not just tactically smart and you can plug someone in in case, you know, you know, a next guy up kind of mentality, but also they're building for the future. Like these, this is a team that is looking not at being successful a year from now, but looking being successful six years from now, seven years from now, building those kind of, um, those kind of players. And, um, you know, you were right to mention Julian Araujo. I mean, Julian Araujo, it's amazing to me. Because every single game, he just looks better and better. And it's, it's not just, you know, it's not the big things. It's the little things. And, and one thing that I wanted to highlight about Julian Araujo, and especially in this game against Minnesota, is he had to be disciplined because he was dealing with a very difficult attack. And the thing I, I said a lot about last year about Julian Araujo was that, well, the one thing that teams can do to beat the Galaxy is they'll just bait Julian Araujo into doing stupid yellows and stupid reds. That's easy to do. He's completely taken that out of his game this year. And it's, it's so impressive to see him that mature as a leader on the field, but his skill set just keeps growing as a player. And that's so like amazing to see in front of our eyes. Um, I think, you know, this, this was a very difficult game in the sense that, you know, obviously they were rotating, you know, Vanny has said as much. He said, you know, we play three, you know, we're playing three games in a week. I need, I need to keep my guys fresh. And, and we saw last year, especially when Shiloto just went all out every single game, what, what happened, not good things. Um, 
And I think this was this was a very difficult game for a lot of people to walk into. You know, you talk about Nico Hamalainen um, at, at the outside back position. You know, uh, Jolich getting an, an assist in his first game. You know, these are guys that have, have been with the Galaxy for, for about a minute, and they have to step into a very big game on the road in Minnesota and manage to get us a result. Like that's a very big deal. Um, I think this is a team that still conceded 21 shots in this game. Like, let's, you know, like, that's a lot yeah, to yeah. deal We're with. We're definitely not glazing over. <laughs> no, and, and, and I think, you know, obviously, Klinsman and goal, absolutely fantastic. I don't think he's taking the number one spot from Bond because I, I think either. there's just a little bit more trust in Bond. Um, but, you know, we at least have a legitimate, com- you know, conversation about who should be the number one in terms of... Uh, in terms of the number one goalkeeper, you know, I, I will say the 21 shots on goal thing isn't necessarily as doom and gloom is has as everyone says it is. I, I mean, Minnesota took 12 of the 21 shots in the final 15 minutes. Uh, that's understandable for a team that's down a goal at home and wants to press and try to find, you know, a point or three points. And especially a team like Minnesota that desperately needs results right now, considering, you know, they've kind of been in a, in a weird run of form. Um but I, 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 I'd like to look at the first 60 minutes of that game against Minnesota where the Galaxy just never looked like they were out of place, if that makes sense. Like, they looked so comfortable and so confident. And it's about those connections. And, it, you know, it's about getting, especially when you have a new head coach and a new coaching staff and, a new, and, and you know, 17 new players. A lot of your work is about having everyone quote-unquote speak the same language on the field like it's and, and i don't mean that from like a linguistic sense i mean that from a tactical sense um you know like tactically everyone's got to be thinking the same thing and i think that's the biggest takeaway from this stretch of three games and why i'm i'm very interested to see over the next week um you know with colorado tomorrow and especially ending with with Jose on friday is it feels like everyone's bought into what vanny's thinking how does that manifest itself over the second half of this season? Because we're at the halfway point of the season. And I think, you know, had you told me third in the West, a win on Tuesday puts us at top of the West again. We were on top of the West for two hours on, on Saturday, Sunday. You know, I would have, t- I would, I, I would have called you crazy. Um, but, but now it's a question of, it's, it's, it's no longer a question of, of the big building blocks. It's now about refining that, that, that kind of tactical framework and you know making sure that everyone's right on that and i think you know you were right to highlight jonah kind of looking a little off the pace now i I think that's jonah's always kind of been one of those players that he needs some time to get himself back into games um but you know i i I like where things are going and i and like there's conversations we're having that are conversations we haven't had about a, a galaxy team since like 2014 yeah, um, that's that's actually big um, because the Galaxy haven't even made playoffs the last few seasons. And then, you know, the first game in against Minnesota, you know, or was it? I know we lost to LAFC, actually. We beat, um, we beat Minnesota, then Minnesota, we lost to LAFC right. in 2019, yeah. Then LAFC got one. <laughs> um, anyways, but the reason I say it is just because that, for the longest time, has been the goal has been the objective just to just to make it to playoffs right but at least the galaxy are sitting rather comfortably um you know in third place which i mean look we're galaxy fans we want to be in first place um it's that funny thing again where the galaxy are relying on other teams 
to get them in the first place. Like, you know, if, if SKC and, and Colorado can drop those points, if Seattle can drop those points, then, you know, the Galaxy could have been in first place right now on this date. But, you know, MLS going to MLS and the West Conference going to continue to be a war. And so this is where we're at. So, like you said, just the things that of the performances that we've been able to see uh, of the Galaxy, the Koulibaly and Williams pairing, we got to see. Um, I mean, like you said, we got new, new guys. I mean, even, even Revolution hasn't been with the team very long. She's and been he was incredible. <laughs> Spectacular, And, you know, so here's the thing about the Galaxy. It's always been, and I love Chicharito, and I'm ready for him to come back when he's ready. That said, you know, um, it's it's amazing who's been put at the top, right? I mean, we had Zubac, and then you had Cabral, and, and now it's, um, you know, 22-year-old striker, uh, Yovalich. So it's it's just amazing to me. I mean, there's been times where even Efrain Alvarez is up there, scoring goals. So, you know, it's just it's just really really incredible to see how quickly the French connection has been able to be made and how these guys are able to play off each other. I have to really, I mean, obviously Sasha's always doing great. Um, I don't care if anybody thinks he's sluggish or not. He's solid. Um, Grand Seer. I have so much respect and amazement of Grand Seer right now. Yes, he's got one goal already, but the amazing defense moves, the shots, um, the feeding of goals, that, that man is, is all over. <laughs> um, By the it's, way. It's just really, really fun to watch. Yeah, go for it. So first off, just kind of a funny note. Um, it was Malagasy on Malagasy crime uh, when Ryan and, and Metonier went at each other. Uh, they're both Madagascar national team members. Um, but it's interesting that you you talk about you know for example you know competition at at positions and it's it's kind of interesting that we we began this conversation talking about the U.S. Women's National Team where it was you know, that's always been a, a, a prescient part of, of the U.S. Women's National Team is that you know competition for positions and you know we we saw it with you know Klinsmann and Bond you know we were talking about the forward line you know who starts up top I think that's something the Galaxy have missed um, over the prevailing years. And I think a lot of people, when they hear, oh, they're competing for position, you know, for a starting 11 position, I think a lot of people think that's a bad thing, that it creates this animosity within, within a team. And, and, and it can. And it, 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 I mean, there was great Real Madrid teams where they got completely blown up because just someone didn't like the fact that someone else was competing for a position. You know, there was, there, it's, it's a hallmark of great, like a lot of good teams have had that happen. But I think it's a good thing in the sense that every single player knows the stakes now when they step up on that field. And, as, and, and, and this Minnesota result, I think, really hammers it home. Now Now the Galaxy have that. And, you know, as I said, it, it can be a negative thing, but it can be a positive thing because you step on that field and you realize, if I don't show up today, if I don't give it 110%, if I don't show up today, I'm not playing next week. And before, I think especially under Shaloto, Shaloto tried to simulate that. You know, he tried to create that atmosphere. And, but it would, it would come in these weird fits and starts where it'd be like, Julian Araujo would have a bad game and he doesn't see the field for 10 weeks. And there was no clear replacement for him, you know? Now it's like, for example, you know, Hamalainen has a very good game. You know, when Viafania gets healthy, he's got to start thinking, like, I got to step up my game in order to get my positioning back. Creating that competition in this Galaxy team is good. Like, th this is what the Galaxy were crying for, is depth, but depth in a way that creates this intensity that, you know, 
is about, you know, it's from a macro level, it's next guy up is going to be okay. We're going to be fine. But from a minor, uh, a micro level, it's players realizing, hey, I can't, you know, I can't afford to dog it. I can't afford to have a bad game because I want to be playing. I want to be part of this. And I think that competitiveness is so good for the Galaxy right now. And that's what is making this team good. You know, it's Zubak seeing, you know, us signing Yovelovich and him realizing, oh, hey, I got to step it up a level. You know, it's it's Chicharito coming back from injury, seeing signing Yovelovich and being like, all right, maybe I'm not just the guy. Now, obviously, Chicharito is a little bit of a different conversation, but... I, I, I like that sense of competitiveness in this team, and I really like that kind of that Vanny is is harnessing that in a positive way and turning it into, well, yes, we know that the next guy up is going to be successful, but hey, just a heads up, the next guy up could also take your job, and like that, I think is a very positive motivator for this team. Yeah, I think even Klinsman said that that he was coming for that he was coming for Bond's job. I was like, oh, okay. Um, well, it's not like he's been cocky before, 2014 roster announcement and all that. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, again, um, I, I really like that it, it all comes down to a, a roster that is, you know, able to take on whatever might come. Of course, you want consistency. Um, What we don't want to see are the same mistakes over and over. I mean, there were times where I was concerned when, you know, like, Sasha's got the ball, but there's no one available to him. Um, You know, there's, you know, questionable substitutions. I mean, you know, you got to sub guys out. You got to. um, And maybe it is a little bit crowded. Like, for example, you know, Saldana, when he comes in for Efrain, or um, um, for Dunbar, you know, who we were really excited to see. It, it does start to get uh, a little a little bit crowded, but, um, you know, as long as, you know, the, they're able, to, like you said, and like we said, like to step it up. Um, I noticed that the Galaxy gets scored on, on set pieces. What I was really glad that you have brought up were the circumstances in which, you know, those, those shots from Minnesota had come up because, I think it's easy to say, oh, you know, the Galaxy start to struggle. They can't hold um, when they when they go up, especially if they go up early, um, especially in the last 15 minutes as you're biting your nails watching. Um, you're watching the other team get chances. I mean, yes, they were in Allianz Field, and yes, you know, um, the, the home team is going to try to get those shots in, you know, but it's easy to say, well, the Galaxy can't hold or, the, or, or you know, they're struggling and whatever with their pieces and, and whoever's not as strong. But I, I think that that there's a lot more to it, that you have to look at each game's situations. It's not the same necessarily in each game. Now, that said, I have noticed, like I said, like some, some pretty similar um, errors, like, for example, with Cabral. Sometimes he's a little slow. Sometimes he doesn't pass, you know. But at least these guys are taking different shots you know at least you can see them taking a risk that they're not afraid to pass up the ball to the next guy who can score so I mean it's it's pretty great it's pretty great that this is an entire team you can trust that it's not just one single player like for a minute I was a little worried that the Galaxy were going to get reliant on Revolution to be scoring Um, you know that you can see little injuries and tragedies starting to plague this team which is of nobody's control 
And just to be able to see this team continue to be resilient, and I mean, that is credit to Vanny, and then to be able to see the, the welcoming of the new guys, you know, Nico and um, Dayan. So I think the mm-hmm. broadcast team made two very good points to what you're talking about in terms mm-hmm. of mentality. The first is that they mentioned that the Galaxy, and, and this was a, a holdover of Vanny in Toronto, is that the first day that he walked in, he brought in a whiteboard and wrote down their goals for the season. And it's in there every single day when they walk in and out. And, you know, I, I look, I'm, I'm not on the side of like the, the motivational speaker kind of stuff in the, in the corporate environment. I, I don't know all of that. But I think that's a very, I think it's a very powerful thing that you have to walk by it every day and see that. And they, and they talked about how, you know, Vanny was even unsure that his first half uh, predicted points total, he thought it was unrealistic. But Sasha and the veterans came to him and said, we're going to get this done. And that's huge. Because now you have your veterans buying in, they get the young kids to buy in, everyone buys in. The other thing that they mentioned was that Sasha talked a lot about um, about killing games off. That, And I think this is something that you and I were texting when, when we were at the Dallas game uh, at home a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, where I said, this team really likes to take its foot off the gas. When it's leading, it just they, they, they seem to relax a little bit too much for my liking. And in this game against Minnesota, I think they did that just a little bit. I think they were a little bit more aggressive, especially after the first goal. I think Grand Sears chance probably should have finished that. But I mean, you know, like, yeah, that's the other thing, you know, but again, you know, it's one of those things where I think the XG on that was like a 5% chance. I mean, yeah, probably should have finished it, but it was a pretty difficult chance. Weird angle, you know, but still, they, 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 they didn't just retreat into a defensive shell. You know, they came out firing from, you know, after that goal. And I think that's important to see. And, and, it, and it's going to take time in order to, to develop that mentality. You know, we're talking about, you know, what are we? We're now, um, we're only, uh, excuse me, uh, we're only 19 games in to a first-year head coach and his entire staff. You know, that doesn't, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. That mentality doesn't build itself in five games. It builds itself over 30 games. It builds itself over a, or a year or two. I'm glad the Galaxy are giving him that time. Um, I, I, I think, you know, and I'm, I'm going to crowdsource here from from our listener base and Galaxy fans worldwide. If we could find the Fountain of Youth, can we just dunk Sasha in there real quick? Because he's been maybe the best player of the Galaxy have seen this year. I mean, the way that he moves the ball, that his vision is so good, and his leadership is so incredible to me. And, and, and I, I wanted to highlight that. I think this game against Colorado tomorrow, it's a big game. I mean, you know, Colorado's four points behind uh, the Galaxy. So it's not necessarily a big game, but they have a game in hand against us. You know, we if we lose, we're still in third. But, I mean, the Galaxy could take a very big step forward here in winning this game. And also, I mean, first off, put a fair amount of daylight between us and four, five, six, seven. But also, I think it's a statement win. And I think, you know, the Minnesota game was a statement win. But if you can follow up a statement win with another statement win, you know, I, I, was, I was talking to my personal trainer today, and I said, you know, if they win tomorrow, you know, being, and I probably should change my Twitter bio to this, being the ultimate pragmatist about soccer and about this team, I'm starting to think that maybe we could be talking about a team that could make a run in the playoffs that could maybe, I'm not going to say it aloud, <laughs> but we might need to start thinking about this team in the conversation of the top five teams in MLS. I'm not there yet. I think if they beat Colorado tomorrow, 
I might be there. Well, yeah, I mean, we're definitely not trying to say too much. Um, you know, like I said, when we're keeping our goals realistic, what what is it? You know, what's our objective? Is it is it making playoffs? Is it I mean, we want to be contenders for the MLS Cup, but to, to say that, I mean, it is looking good, but, you know, I am a little superstitious and I'm not going to say more. But, 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 but <laughs> let's, let's just kind of, because we're at the halfway point, let's break this down real quick. Yeah, do it. What was the goal going into this season? Like, new head coach, 17 new pieces coming to the starting 11. You know, what was the goal? Because if any Galaxy fan was looking at this and saying, MLS Cup winners, I'd, I'd love to have what you're having, and I've got a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. Playoffs were kind of the goal here. And, like, even if the Galaxy missed the playoffs by, like, three points, I would have been like, yeah, it was a pretty successful season. Things weren't bad. To be here where we are right now, to have these conversations we're having about, like, well, if the Galaxy won on Tuesday night, they could go top of the West. I, <laughs> did any of us think that was really going, like, us being top of the West for, however, three hours, however long it took SKC to beat FC Dallas, did any of us really think we were going to be having these conversations? Like, I, I didn't. You know, and a lot of my friends didn't. And I, so I think, like, that's what's, like, so crazy about this, like, seeing Galaxy fans complain about the aesthetics of a lot or the aesthetics of a win over Minnesota when, you know, Minnesota shoots 12 out of their 21 shots in the last 15 minutes. And they're like, oh, well, it just didn't look good. It's like, think about where we've come from. You know, like, think about where we are. Curb your, well, curb no, your criticism. But like, like, <laughs> the, the, this, this shouldn't happen. You know, like, theoretically, Greg Vinny, new head coach, new coaching staff, 17 new players, like, it's a miracle the Galaxy are where they are right now. And it's, not, and it's not a miracle in the sense that, you know, oh, the Galaxy overperforming underlying numbers. I mean, I was just crunching numbers today. The Galaxy's underlying numbers look really good. I mean, expected goals, you know, over the season looked really good. I mean, they're averaging about 1.5 per game. That's not bad. You know, like, the, the one number that I crunched today that I, I wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of, which is expected goals against... that's a bit low, but I think that's skewed by the fact that they conceded three goals in like the first three games of the season. You know, like this team is now defensively a lot more solid, especially with the addition of revolution in in, in the midfield. And also, you know, now they have a decided center back pairing. The things are not bad. Like I, I, galaxy fans complaining on Twitter about like rotation and stuff. Things are not bad. It's going to be okay. I think if they win tomorrow, we need to start thinking a lot bigger about this season than we thought. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. And, you know, again, we, we, you know, you watch how the other matches are going to turn out and the referees are going to also be MLSE as well. Um, but for the Galaxy to be able to, to play through all of that, to overcome all of that, um, I think, I think, yeah, to say the least, they're on the right track. And I'm not ready to bet money yet on the Galaxy. <laughs> not actual money. We'll just keep playing balls and beers. But um, this is this is a thrill, and and I really think you can go ahead and be enthusiastic about the game tomorrow. You can be optimistic. Yeah, I agree, hundred ten percent. This is a great opportunity for the Galaxy. I mean, I, I like Colorado. I think they're a good team. I think they are a playoff team. I would say out of their past, you know, they they did not play a good Houston team this weekend. Um, you know, they, they did have a, a, a pretty good result in Kansas City. I think they're, they're, they're good, not 
great. Um, and I think, you know, it, it, but, you know, as we're talking about this being a, a huge game for the Galaxy, it's a huge game for Colorado. Because now Colorado is trying to put, push themselves into the conversation of, you know, the top three, top three teams in the West. Um, you know, but their underlying numbers haven't been great. I mean, you know, they, you know, beaten Houston, uh, lost to LAFC, you know, they beat Dallas. They're beating teams they should beat, and they're losing to teams they should lose to. And, you know, I, I've long said the Galaxy, you know, struggled against t- t- team. The Galaxy have been that kind of team as well. And this is the first one of the season where I'm like, huh, this is a team that maybe the Galaxy shouldn't beat. And they did, and they, and they, and they did it with, with some style. You know, and it, I think, you know, if, if they can do it again against Colorado, I think we're in a very good place going into Friday against San Jose. I think this is, this is a critical week for the season. And I think it's already started better than we could have imagined. Yeah, and it's a, it's a Tuesday game at home. Um, you know, people have been saying attendance has been light. I unfortunately am not going to be there. Um, you know, it's a it's it is a Tuesday and it's a school night. I got to get up now at six a.m. But you bet that I'm still going to be watching uh, from wherever I am. So it's it's the support is there. This team is doing great um it it does feel kind of funny to when you're talking about a low attendance rate on a team that is doing so well like you don't want anybody to sleep on this team um you know but there's other circumstances that are going on you know the pandemic's still not over maybe people still don't feel comfortable i know sometimes i don't so a big thing for me like we're talking about the all-star game uh you know coming up and is Chicharito going to be healthy? Are they saving him for that? Like, what's going on? Look, if they want to rest him till October 3rd for the El Trafico, uh, or if they want to play him the game before that one, just so that way he gets a little practice to make sure that he's in shape, um, I'm, I'm all for that. Go ahead and rest him. Um, everybody else, you know, right now, they're, they're learning to play together. I mean, to have uh, Yovolevich and to have Hemelainen fresh off the plane and already on their first day you're happy to have them on the team and you see them making moves i mean there's there's really no much more you can ask for right now so so i'll I'll make two points before we we close out here one winning is contagious and i hope that they start to take that energy and start winning a lot more games two if you're chicharito and you're watching this team and you're watching some of the chances that cabral's missing I've got to be saying, come on, like get me in there as soon as possible, coach, because I'm going to be finishing those things like a monster. I think I I really like this team when Chicharito gets plugged into it because I think, you know, Cabral is is not a natural finisher, finisher, and and Grandier is also not a natural finisher. And if I'm looking at some of the chances that you know Cabral, Grandier, and Efrain and and a couple of other Galaxy players have missed, and I'm Chicharito, I'm like, I'm scoring 30 goals this year. I can't wait. <laughs> I need to get in here. I. It, it would surprise me if he plays the All-Star game, just kind of hearing the way that they're talking about him. Um, but I'm getting Chicharito back and in a, a hungry Chicharito that's looked at this team who wants to be part of, like, who has said, you know, he, he, he has talked about how much he loves this team and how much he loves being in LA and how much he loves the Galaxy and how much he cares about this. You know, I, I would be feeling very good right now if I'm a Galaxy fan. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, we've seen Chicharito talk about pushing through. Um, You know, when you get an injury, sometimes it is more psychological than than physical. So 
you know, I can't wait to see him back. But until then, like I said, you know, we, we can't hammer this enough on the how well Vanny's been able to manage uh, this team and how everybody's really been able to play together. Um, so, yeah, here we go, Galaxy, tomorrow. Yeah, one other one other thing. I just sorry, I, mm-hmm. I, I was closing out tabs, so I, I kind of I, I lost a little bit track of thought. One other thing I would say is is the reason I'm positive about this team is it's because the different ways they've gotten it done. You know that that you know the, the Galaxy have been pitched a lot of weird pitches and they've gotten it done, and I think that's why I'm so positive about this team right now. And so you know, I, I'm, tomorrow is a big game. Friday is a massive game. The the, Cal, the California Classico is always a massive game. But I, I, I really, the, the framework is there. And now it's a question of making sure that framework wins us titles. And I, I, I'm feeling pretty good about that. So thank you so much. Stay tuned and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>